Welcome to Random Podcast for All Ages. This is DJ SKS and today I am going to share a story. A voracious reader and an ardent Sudhamurthy fan, I have always come to treasure her books. There was this one chapter which caught my eye and it gave me all the information that no encyclopedia could. Here goes. Rekha is a very dear friend and our families have known each other for generations. Since I hadn't seen her for a long time, I decided to visit her. I picked up the phone and dialed her number. Her father, Rao, who is like a father to me, picked up the phone. Hello? We exchanged greetings and I said, Uncle, I am coming to your house for lunch tomorrow. Her father, a botanist, was very happy. Please do. Tomorrow is a Sunday and we can relax a bit. Don't run off quickly, he replied. In a city such as Bengaluru, going from Jayanagar to Maleshwaram on a weekday usually takes a minimum of two hours. Travelling on a Sunday is much easier because it only takes half the time. When I reached her home the next day, I could smell that lunch was almost ready. And yet, the aromas wafting from the kitchen indicated to me that the day's menu would somehow be different. None of the typical Karnataka dishes were laid out on the table, and the cuisine was in fact quite bland for my taste. I may wear a simple sari, but I am a foodie, Rekha. Is the lunch specially arranged so that I don't come again? I joked, as one can with an old friend who will not misunderstand and take offence. Rekha's father laughed heartily. Well, he sighed, today is my mother's death anniversary. On this day, we always prepare a meal from indigenous vegetables. What do you mean by indigenous? I was perplexed. Aren't all the vegetables available in our country indigenous, except perhaps ones like cauliflower, cabbage and potato? Oh my God, you have just begun a wrong topic on a wrong day with the wrong person, exclaimed Rekha. In mock dismay. After lunch, I think I should just leave you with my father and join you both later in the evening. This will take at least four hours of time. I knew that Rekha's father was a botanist. But it was then that I realized that he was really passionate about the subject. Though I had known him for a really long time, I had never seen this facet of his personality before. Probably, he had been too busy during his work years, while we had been too busy playing and fooling around. Is this really true, uncle? I asked. He nodded. Since I come from a farmer's family on my paternal side, I have always had a fascination for vegetables. I knew vaguely about the things we could grow, the seasons to grow them in, and the ones we could not grow, including the reasons why. However, when I broached the subject with friends interested in agriculture and farming, I never really received a satisfactory answer. Finally, here was a man more than willing to share his knowledge with me. I couldn't resist. You know, Rekha, I said, it is difficult to get knowledgeable people to spend time explaining their subject matter to others. Today, Google is like my grandmother. I log on to the website any time I require an explanation of something I don't understand or want to learn about. Right now, you are logging on to an encyclopedia. 
Rekha smiled and glanced at her father affectionately. The conversation drifted to other subjects as we ate. The meal consisted of rice, sambar without chilies, dal with black pepper and not chilies, cluster beans, methi sag, cucumber raita and rice paisam. It was accompanied by udin vada with black pepper. There was some pickle and plain yogurt on the side too. After we had eaten this lunch, well suited for someone recovering in the hospital, Rekha's father said, "Come, let's go to the garden." Rekha's family owned an old house in the corner of a street. Her grandfather had been in the British Railways and was lucky enough to buy the corner plot at a low price and had built a small home with a large garden there. In a city like Bengaluru, filled with apartments and small spaces, the garden was something of a luxury and a privilege. Uncle and I walked to the garden while Rekha took a nap. He settled himself on a bench while I looked around. It was like a miniature forest with a large kitchen garden of carrots, okra, fenugreek and spinach, each segregated neatly into sections. A few sugar canes shone brightly in front of us, while a dwarf papaya tree, heavy with fruit, stood in the corner. On the other end was a line of maize as well as flowering trees such as the Indian coral tree and roses of varying colors. Uncle and auntie must be spending a lot of time here making this place beautiful i thought all the trees and plants seem healthy almost as if they're happy to be here do you think that all the vegetables we have around us are from india or are they from other countries he asked out of the blue i felt as if i was back in school in front of my teacher but i wasn't scared even if i gave him a wrong answer it wasn't going to affect my progress report of course uncle india has the largest population of vegetarians so in time we have learned to make different kinds of vegetarian dishes even people who eat meat avoided during national ev- traditional events such as festivals weddings death anniversaries and the month of shravana i agree with your assessment of everything except that most vegetables are grown in india the truth is the majority of our vegetables are not ours at all they have come from other countries i stared at him in disbelief he pointed to a tomato plant a creeper with multiple fruits tied to a firm bamboo stick look at this is this an indian vegetable i thought of tomato soup tomato rasam tomato bhat tomato sandwiches and chutney Of course it is. We use it every single day. It is an integral part of the Indian cuisine. Uncle smiled. Well, the tomato did not originate in India but in Mexico. It made its way to Europe in 1554. Since nobody ate tomatoes over there, they became ornamental plants because of the beautiful deep red color. At some point, there was a belief in Europe that it was good for curing infertility. while some thought that it was poisonous the contradicting perspectives made it difficult for this fruit to be incorporated with their diet for a long time its lack of value must have been a real push for initiating spanish spain's tomato festival the lata matino where millions tomatoes are used every year to this day 
A story goes that one business savvy European sounded, uh, surrounded his tomato plants with a sturdy, thick fence to show his neighbors that the fruits were not poisonous, but rather valuable and thus desirable. Gradually, the fruit reached India and began to be used as a commercial crop. Thanks to its tempting color and taste, it must have come to us during the reign of the British, but today we cannot think of cooking without tomatoes. Wow, I thought. Out loud, I said, Uncle, tell me about an essential item that is used in cooking but isn't ours. Come on, try and guess. We simply cannot cook without this vegetable. I closed my eyes and thought of sambar, the essential South Indian dish, and matar paneer, typical of the North Indian cuisine. It took me a while to think of a common ingredient, the chili. I brushed my thought away. No, there is no way that the chili can be an imported vegetable. There can be no Indian food without it. I thought. Uncle looked at me. You are right, it is the chili, he exclaimed, almost as if he had read my mind. How do you know? Because people never fail to be shocked when they think of the possibility that chili could be from another country. I can see it clearly on their faces when the wheels turn in their heads. My disbelief was obvious. How could we cook without chilies? It is as important as salt in cooking. There are many stories and multiple theories about chilies. Uncle said, when Vasco da Gama came to India, he came from Portugal via Brazil and brought many seeds with him. Later, Marco Polo and the British came to India. Thus, many more plant seeds arrived. The truth is, what we call indigenous isn't actually ours. Think about chilies, capsicum, corn, groundnut, cashews, beans, potato, papaya, pineapple, custard apple, guava and sapodilla. They are all from South America. Over time, we have indigenized them and learned how to cook them. Some say that the chili came from the country of the same name, while some say that it came from Mexico. According to a theory, black pepper was the ingredient traditionally used in India to make our food hot and spicy. Some scholars believe that the sole goal of the East India Company was to acquire a monopoly of its pepper trade, which later ended in India's colonization. But when we began using chilies, we found that it tasted better than black pepper. To give you an example, we refer to the black pepper as Kalumensu in Kannada. We give the similar name to the chili and call it Menasinkai. In Hindi, it's frequently referred to as Mirchi. In the war between black pepper and chili, the former lost and chili established itself in the Indian food industry even today. North Karnataka is famous for its, north, for its red chilies now. That much I do know, uncle. I closed my eyes and had a vision of my younger days. I remember seeing acres and acres of red chili plants during my childhood. The harvest used to take place during the Diwali season. I remembered that the Badgi district was dedicated to the sale of chilies. I had gone with my uncle one day and was amazed at the mountains of red chilies I saw there. Oh yes, you're right. Those red chilies are bright red in color, but they aren't actually hot or spicy.
on the contrary the chilies that grow in the state of andhra pradesh are extremely spicy they are a little rounded in shape not as deep red in color and are called guntur chilies a good cook uses a combination of different kinds of chilies to make the uh, dish delicious and attractive now that's what i call indigenous there were also uh, two other kinds of chilies in our uh, farm the one was ravana chilli that grows upside down and the one other one of course was capsicum uncle nodded capsicum in india is nothing but green or red bell peppers in the west but if you eat one tiny ravan chilli you will have to sit in the bathroom with your backside in pain and drink many bottles of water for a long long time or we'll have to eat a kilogram of candy sweets or chocolate we both laughed hearing the laughter rekha's mother came in and joined us are you folks joking about today's menu i'm sorry that there wasn't much variety when i heard you were coming for lunch i told uncle to inform you that the day's food was going to be bland and that you could come another sunday but he said that you are like family and wouldn't mind at all she said to me that sparked my interest tell me the reason for the bland food auntie we have a method in madness i guess during death anniversaries we do not use vegetables or spices that have come from other country hence we use ingredients like fenugreek black pepper and cucumber among others our ancestors were scared of using the new vegetables and named these imports vishwamitra srishti this was the first time i had heard of such thing what does that mean auntie settled into a makeshift chair under the guava tree the tree goes that there was a, a king called trishanku who wanted to go to heaven along with his physical body with his strong penance and powers the sage vishwamitra was able to send him to heaven but the gods pushed him back because they were worried it would set a precedent for people to come in with their physical bodies that was not to be allowed Vishwamitra tried to push Trishanku upwards but the gods pushed him down like a game of tug and war in the end Vishwamitra created a new world for Trishanku and called it Trishanku Swarga he even created vegetables that belonged to neither the earth nor heaven so vegetables like eggplant and cauliflower are the creations of Vishwamitra which must not be used at a time such as a dear one's death anniversary silence fell between us and i pondered over auntie's story after a min after a few minutes i saw rekha coming towards us with some bananas and oranges and a box of what seemed to be dessert come she said to me have something the banana is from our garden and the dessert is made from home grown ingredients too you must be uncle interrupted do you know that we make so many dessert in india that aren't original to our country dad tell her the story of the guava and the banana i really like that one rekha said she smiled as she handed me a banana uncle smiled please to impart some more knowledge the seeds of guava came from goa so some people say that's how it was named in Canada we call it peralahanno because we believe that it has originated in Peru South America
Let me tell you a story. Durvasa was a famed short-tempered sage in our ancient epics. He cursed anyone who dared rouse his anger. The sage was married to a woman named Kandali. One day, she said to him, O oh sage, people are terribly afraid of you. While I have lived with you for such a long time, don't you think I deserve a great boon from you? Though Durvasa was upset her with her birds, he did not curse her. He thought seriously about what she had said and decided she was right. I will give you a boon, but only one. So think carefully, he said. After some thought, she replied, Create a fruit for me that is unique and blessed with beautiful colors. The tree should grow not in heaven but on earth. It should have the ability to grow easily everywhere in our country. It must give fruits in bunches for the whole year. The uh, fruit should not have any seeds and must not create a mess when we eat it. When it is not ripe, we should be able to use it as a vegetable. And once it is ripe, we should be able to use it when performing pujas. We should be able to use all parts of the plant. Durvasa was surprised and impressed at the numbers of specification his wife was giving him. He was used to give curses in anger and then figuring out the solutions once he had calmed down. But this seemingly simple request was a test of his intelligence. No wonder women are cleverer. Men like me get upset quickly and act before before fully thinking of the consequences, he thought. The sage prayed to God Saraswati to give him the knowledge with which he could satisfy his wife's demand. After a few minutes, he realized that he would be able to fulfill his wife's desire. Thus, he created the banana tree, which is found all over India today. Every part of the tree, the leaf, the bark, the stem, the flowers and its fruits are used daily. Raw banana can be cooked, while ripe banana can be eaten easily by peeling off its skin. It's also an essential part of worship to the gods. The fruit is seedless and presents itself as a bunch. A mature tree lives for a year and smaller saplings are found around it. Kandali was ecstatic and named the plant Kandari. She announced, whoever eats this fruit will not get upset, despite the fact that it was created by my short-tempered husband. Over a period of time, people started using the banana extensively and loved it. Slowly, the name Kandari changed to Kadali and banana came to be known as Kadali Phala in Sanskrit. Uncle took a deep breath at the end of his story. I smiled, amused at the story that seemed to result from fertile imagination. I had a strong urge to grab a banana and took one from the plate in front of me. You may have given me bland food today, I said, but I really want some dessert. Rekha opened the box. It was filled with different varieties of sweets. I saw gulab jamuns, jangari, a deep-fried flour-based dessert, gulkand, a rose-petal-based preserve, I can't resist gulab jamuns, so I immediately picked one and popped it into my drooling mouth. It was soft and sweet. What a dessert, I remarked, amazed at how delicious it was. 
Nobody can beat us when it comes to Indian desserts. I don't know how people can live in other countries without gulab jamuns. Wait a minute. Don't make such sweeping statements, said Rekha. Gulab jamun is not from India. Yeah, right, I said, not convinced at all. Before she could stop me, I grabbed another one and gulped it down. I'm serious. A language scholar once came to speak in our college. He told us that apart from English, we use multiple Persian, Arabic and Portuguese words that we aren't even aware of. Gulab jamun is a Persian word and it's a dish prepared in Iran. It became popular in India during the Mughal reign because the court language was Persian. The same is true for jangiri, which is a kind of ornament wore on the wrist and the jangiri design resembles it. You will now tell me that even Gulkhand is from somewhere else, I complained loudly. She grinned. You aren't wrong. Gulkhand is a Persian word too. Gul is nothing but rose and khand means sweet. Gul, in fact, originates from the word gulab, rose. My brain was thoroughly exhausted with all this information. When I saw the oranges, I said with pride, I will not call this an orange now, but its Kannada name is Narangi. Uncle cleared his throat. Narangi is an Indian word, but it does not originate in Karnataka. It is made up of two words, Nar and Rangi. Nar meaning the orange or color of sun, while Rangi meaning color. The conversation was leaving me feeling truly lost. When people stay in one place for some time, he continued, they will unknowingly absorb the culture around them including their food and language. At times, we adopt the changes in to our local cuisine and make it our own. That's exactly what happened to the foods we have discussed. I glanced at my watch. It was time for me to leave. I thanked them profusely, especially Uncle, for enlightening me in a way that even Google could not. There was a huge traffic jam despite it being a Sunday evening as I set out for home, but I wasn't bored on the way. In fact, I was happy to recollect Uncle's words and perhaps, as a result, suddenly remembered an incident. My mother had two sisters. Though all three sisters were married to men from the same state, their husbands' jobs were in different areas. One lived in South Karnataka, in the old Mysore state. My parents lived in Maharashtra, in, and the third stayed in the flatlands in the remote corner of Karnataka. After their husbands retired, the three sisters lived in Hubli, in the same area. It was fun to meet my cousins every day and eat meals together. We celebrated festivals as a family, and the food was cooked in one house, though everybody brought home-cooked desserts from their own houses. During one particular Diwali, we had a host of delicacies. My mother made Puri and Shrikhand, a popular dish in Maharashtra made from strained yogurt and sugar. My aunt from Mysore made Kishmish Kheer and a rice-based main course called Bisibelianna, while the other aunt made ground-based sweets such as jaggery-based sticky chiki and ball-shaped laddus. As children, my cousins and I had plenty of fun eating them, but in the car, I realized for the first time 
that the sisters had absorbed something from the area that they had lived in despite their physical proximity the food in each household was so diverse that i couldn't help but wonder how exciting the food really must be in different regions of india i thought of paneer pizzas cheese dosas and indian chinese food they must have originated in the same way who really said that india is a country it's a continent culturally vibrant diverse in food and yet distinctly indian at heart i hope you enjoyed this video thank you